0: Welcome to Aspire to Lead. I'm your host, Joshua Stamper, and I just want to thank you so much for joining me this week. Before we talk to my wonderful guest, Grace Stevens, I'm going to just let you know that we have a phenomenal event with the Teach Better team this Saturday, March 2nd. For our 12 hour live event and if you haven't joined this event before it is literally 12 hours straight of free pd on all the major social media outlets so youtube twitter linkedin twitch instagram whole nine yards so make sure that you're joining i did want to highlight two segments i'm going to be joining the team for six different segments in the 12 hour live but two are specific to leadership so one being with Todd Nesloni and Tyler Cook, as we're going to be talking about leadership reflection. That's going to be going on at 1030 to 11 a.m. Eastern time. And then also I'm going to be joined by good friend Mark Horner from 1230 to 130 p.m. Eastern time. And we're going to be talking about not settling because of the system that we work in. So I'm excited about that topic. So join us on any of your favorite social media platforms as we're gonna be talking about a lot of different topics in education. If you head over to teachbetter.com, you can find more information on the event and also find the full schedule with all the different guests, all the different topics that will be discussed on March 2nd. Looking forward to seeing you there, but let's dive into the conversation with Grace Stevens. She was a former corporate exec and that lifestyle just was not to her liking for herself and for her family. So, she pursued her dream of being a public school teacher and did that for 20 years in the classroom. She is now retired and focusing full time on helping educators have a more positive teaching experience. So, she's going to do a deep dive on behavioral therapy, the positive psychology, the science behind that, and making sure that we're combating that feeling of being overwhelmed as an educational leader. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead. Where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at joshua underscore Stamper. All right, Aspire Leaders and Teach Better Family, thank you so much for joining this week. I have a special guest. Grace Stevens is a brand new addition to the Teach Better Podcast Network. I'm going to jump into that celebration now, Grace, and just let folks know that you have a phenomenal podcast, one that I'm very proud of uh, to be associated with with our podcast network that's growing. Well, first off, thank you so much for being on the Aspire to Lead Podcast.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Yes, Grace, I've got to learn a little bit about you as you know, your journey, and I would love for you to just to share out kind of all the wonderful things that you're doing. And then how did you get to the the point you are currently?
1: Okay, so currently, I will call myself a teacher empowerment coach, and I work full time helping educators have a more positive experience. So whether that's teachers in the classroom, admin, support staff, whatever, whatever capacity you are in education, I'm here to help you have a more positive experience with the kids you got, with the admin you're not like putting that offer like oh yeah when I have the dream class dream class isn't coming so that's what I do currently and it was a bit of um, a different um, path getting here I'm a second career teacher I was um, having an amazing career in the corporate world it was what I thought I was supposed to be doing Um, I was the first person in my family um, ever to you know go to university, do all those things, got on the corporate track, made all the money, just had all the kind of the stuff that went with that and had a young family. was in my mid-30s and uh, was miserable, honest to goodness, just really stressed, overwhelmed, overcommitted, no boundaries, constantly guilt-ridden, never gave enough at home, never gave enough at work. Like just, it, it was very, I felt like I had created this amazing life, but I didn't participate in it and I needed something different. So um, I took a really big change. I decided my childhood dream had always been to be a, a public school teacher. Went back to school, started teaching at a Title I school, loved it, was amazing, checked all the boxes for me, it had connection, it had purpose, it was fun. I got to spend weekends and holidays with my own children and I thought I was set for life. And um, lo and behold, within two years, I'd recreated the same circumstances for myself. Overwhelmed, no boundaries, people pleasing, feeling guilty. I wasn't giving enough. It, it, It all came crashing back, that stress, that anxiety. Honest to goodness, did not have another career change in me. And so I decided, you know, part of the problem was me. And so let's fix that. So I went into this deep dive on my own personal mission to kind of realize how to hack my own happiness and did a lot of studying, a lot of courses, a lot of books, a lot of seminars. And figured out a framework for myself to have a better experience. And then other teachers noticed and asked me about it. And so then I put that into a framework and a book. And and so the book is Positive Mindset Habits for Teachers. I had written several books before that, but not really about teaching. I kind of kept that separate but then so that's why you did so anyway after 20 years in the classroom I always said I wanted to be a public servant for 20 years so after 20 years which saw me all the way through COVID and post-COVID goodness what an adventure I decided that this kind of last chapter now my third act is gonna help I could have more impact really helping more teachers have a positive experience so that's kind of the long and short of where I am so I stepped out the classroom at the end of 2022.
0: Sure. Yeah. You've seen a great deal in those 20 years uh, with, <laughs> <Yeah>. within education.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just the technology alone. Oh, you right. You just, just like, you know, the overhead projectors and such. Um, yeah. No, it has been. Yeah, it's been a lot. It's been interesting. But you know what? The stuff that I still was so passionate about from the day I left, from the day I started, had not changed. And that was believing in the potential of education to change the world. Yeah. And it. particularly public education, a free education, equitable education for everybody, mm-hmm. seeing potential in students, helping them believe in themselves and their own success, like none of that. The, the real core, cool, even though there's been so much, you know, noise and just different ways in which we're told to present things and do things and the technology, but the real fundamentals of why I wanted to be an educator are still there and I still believe in their capacity to help have a very a a large impact and a rewarding career.
0: Mm -hmm. Well Grace you had touched on your book which I'm so excited about uh, positive (laughs) mindset habits for teachers so let's kind of dive into that as kind of our baseline of our conversation because I want to know about the concept of the book but then also you know And you kind of touched on this a little bit as the why, but like, how is that going to help our teachers and our leaders that are listening, you know, for
1: them reading that resource? Okay, so the first thing is, you know, I wrote that book five years ago. And so now I have a bit more of a clearer framework. It was based on another book I'd written years before called The Happy Habit, which was all the science of like how we can hack our brains to be happier. And I think it's a much bigger conversation these days and it's an easier conversation to have because now that, you know, everybody is familiar and kind of on board with the idea of growth mindset, right? So the intelligence isn't fixed. I don't have to convince anybody of that anymore. Well, it turns out that your happiness standpoint isn't fixed either. So in that book, at the very beginning, I dig into the science, which is that only, you know, so some of us, you know, some of us are glass half full people, some are glass half empty. I like to think I'm a, the glass is refillable. But, um, you know, genetically, we're kind of dealt some kind of predisposition, right? In so, but so 40% of it is genetics. And I did not win that lottery. Like my background, family background is is not, there's a lot of anxiety, depression, things we struggled with. So that's only 40%, though, actually 50, sorry, 50%, 10%, only 10% is our circumstances. And I know a lot of people like, that's crazy. It's true. It's scientifically validated. People much smarter than me have proven that. A lot of research out of Harvard on that a lot more acceptance of that these days. So the part I focus on is that 40%, 40% of your happiness quotient comes down to intentional habits and practices. And so book is based on positive mindset habits. So kind of where my, I want to say my kind of like niche, my zone of genius is, is like these aren't, you know, I didn't do the research. I'm not a researcher, but I've taken all that research and integrated it how does that come to play in a classroom because we spend so much time in our classrooms and how can we have practices that integrate the students too because then you know you're going to be held accountable if the kids are doing it too Um, how do we make it simple easy all the practices um, none of them cost any money you can do them in less than five minutes a day and but a lot of it starts with mindset and so even though it's simple you know, it's not easy. You've got years of conditioning to kind of overcome. You've got years of biological evolution. You know, our brains have developed over time to keep us safe, right? Not necessarily keep us happy. So there's that whole piece to do with our nervous system. And as we know, being in a classroom is literally an assault on your nervous system, right? There's so much stuff going on. Yeah, I taught second grade for a long time. And the best I ever got anyone to hear it describing it was it's like being pecked to death by by geese right isn't that really just if you teach them with littles but any age that you're dealing with so anyway so that was the foundation of the book it looked at 10 um 10 kind of mindsets and then at the end of the it gives the science for it I'm a little bit on the nerd science um, but then it breaks it down into practical terms here are some habits you can do so that's kind of what the book was
0: yeah, so let's talk about the science a little bit because you've touched on kind of like a pie chart of happiness yeah. and uh, i love for you to dive a little bit deeper and maybe this is just the nerd inside of me, but I always get excited with data and, and science in regards to these things because, you know, there are a lot of people I talk to all the time, especially leaders that are stressed and, and are not finding happiness, especially mm-hmm. this time of the year, you know, in the spring where there's so many things to do. <laughs> You're looking already to the next year and feeling mm-hmm. that added Pressure in a lot of different facets. So I would love to learn a little bit more in regards to the science of happiness.
1: Okay, so if you look at the basic, right, really foundational building blocks of um, positive psychology, I don't know if we all had to take psychology one on one at some point. You know, my my formal schooling is you know decades behind me now. Really, the building blocks for a happy life, if we want to say, are going to be having purpose. Okay, well, you got that in school, right? connection you know there's a lot of work these days um on the blue zones right on the the areas in the world where people live to the longest right and of course part of that is you know diet and and other things and exercise but but the the kind of the other side of that is they all look at and it is these building blocks is found is purpose is connection occupational self-direction Now, a lot of that, unfortunately, if you work in a district and you're a teacher that um, has a very scripted curriculum and a real stickler for an admin, everybody on the same page on the same day, right? Like, so a lot of that I find, especially over the two decades that I taught, a lot of that, it was a struggle to maintain that, that creativity, that spark, right? The idea of flow of getting deeply involved in work and I found it very easy. It used to be easier when there were fewer devices, um, mm. technology in the classroom, but to get in that zone with the kids where you're learning and you, all those things. So the, the building blocks are there inside the classroom. Again, as far as the brain science goes, a lot of what I work on with people when I'm helping coach them is this whole mindset piece is, well, I have this framework. We love ourselves some acronyms. Right. So the framework I have, I call it ECHO framework, where the E stands for your energy teaches more than your lesson plans. The C stands for control what you can control. Right. When you talk about all the things that are happening, like when you focus on the things you can control, you're a lot happier. The H part is happiness can be synthesized. That's a brain science that I go into, that I no doubt on. And the last piece, which I think is really important for teachers, administrators, everybody, is this O, oh, is other teachers' experience doesn't need to be your experience, right? You get to craft your own experience. And one of the reasons that I did end up writing the book was because I worked in a very small school. So we had the same student population, we had the same admin, we had the same resources, or in our particular case, unfortunately, lack of resources, the same culture, right? And yet, my experience with all those things, I was having a different experience than other people because working on happiness is trying to have a different experience in the situation with which you find yourself, not putting it off for some future thing, right? There's a lot of you know, you might remember from psychology, hedonic adaptation, right? The hedonic treadmill, like we overestimate how happy we think certain things are going to make us. Oh, when I have that new car or those new shoes or a different group of students or a different admin or the grade that I really wanted to teach, right? I got pushed around from grade to grade. You know, it was a small school. How many times like, oh, now you're teaching a split. Now you're teaching this. Now you're teaching that, right? I always felt like, oh, if I found my way in the perfect grade, right? So you can't put it off for a future event, for spring break, for the weekend, right? How many educators live for the weekend or spring break or summer break or woe betide for retirement, right? Like, "Ah, I just got to keep going three more years. Like, that's not productive for people and it's really not productive for students. So basically looking at in the situation in which I find myself right now, what are the things I can focus on in crafting a better experience for myself and I really feel that for a lot of educators they feel like oh you know we've been trained culturally and as well as the type of people that education invites we're helpers we're fixers we get into this kind of teacher martyr syndrome right into this some kind of weird competition that we're trying to compare who's working the most, who has the worst kids, who has the most, you know, oh, you think that's something you should hear about this, right? It's kind of like we up the ante when we talk to people. All of that is not really helping us focusing on what we want, noticing the things that are going right. And students, they understand our our energy, right? They, they, They know the difference between... A teacher and an admin who is just kind of trying to get through the day, who is low-key resentful because they're exhausted, they overcommitted themselves, they're getting pulled in a million directions, and they know the difference between that and a leader or a teacher who shows up, maybe not with the most perfect lesson plans you've ever seen with the best graphics and, you know, Pinterest worthy or whatever, but they show up, they're excited to be there. They believe in kids. They believe in education. They're looking at possibilities, not all the problems. The problems are there. Oh, my God. We know what the problems are. and um, But when we just focus on them, we feel so powerless to actually make progress with them. And so that's really what we look at is looking at, you know, confirmation bias, all all those things. Like your brain is set up to um, filter out things. Um, There's too much sensory input, especially in a classroom, and you've trained your brain to filter in the stuff that you think is important. So if you think what's important is that one kid who's dysregulated and not the other 29 who are you know, helping each other and, and all those things. I mean, you've got to deal with the dysregulated kid. You've got to be, you know, calm, consistent, consequences, and move on. But don't have your radar set for that gotcha. Like as soon as that kid scratches their nose, you're like, oh, here it goes. Here it's coming, right? You kind of ramp yourself up, right? Your kids know that energy, and they behave accordingly, I mean, there's a scientific term for that, co-regulation. I don't want to nerd everybody out, but it's simpler just to remind myself, hey, what am I tuned into here, right? My energy is teaching more than my lesson plans. I love that. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode.
0: Well, it's a beautiful framework, Grace, that you've got with ECHO and definitely empowers our educators. You had touched on real quick uh, about habits in the classroom. Uh-huh. I know it's your book is chock full of a variety of, of different things in regards to habits. So is there one or two that you want to touch on just to kind of help our educators and be yeah. with the science of happiness and all?
1: Okay, so one powerful habit is kind of acting what I call like to be a joy detective, Right when you are, you're dealing with conditioning. You're dealing with habit. You're dealing with you have ninety thousand thoughts a day. No wonder we're exhausted. Guess what? Ninety percent of them are the same thoughts you had yesterday, and they're not terribly positively focused. So it takes intention, right? It's say, oh, it sounds so simple. Simple is not the same as easy. It takes intention. So one real simple practice I have is to encourage and it's easier to phrase it as like being a joy detective when you have little kids right because they're used to being you know looking at the text be a detective find the text evidence (laughs) now we're gonna in everyday life and in the classroom we're gonna look for evidence that things are going well so maybe for the kids you just have a joy jar which is basically any kind of container you have. And the kids have little slips of paper that when something goes well or somebody helped them or something they're happy about, they write the little note, they slip it in the joy jar easy right and then when the energy in the room is a little low or you know when something isn't going well and instead of flogging it like a dead horse because oh my god i have to teach social studies until this time you know nobody's got the lesson nobody's getting it people are checked out like stop do something else right come back and do it tomorrow that's a perfect time to say who hey spin the wheel who wants to go grab something at the joy jar okay so tr- you can train kids to do that you can train yourself right every time you leave the classroom. I used to have a habit from a neurolinguistic programming standpoint called a pattern interrupt. Like I would touch the doorframe on the way out. And that would be my reminder between here and the office or wherever I was going many times a day. I'm going to look for five things that I like and I'm going to find them. That's it. I would just instead of worrying about, uh, oh, God, that email, that, per- that parent needs this or is the copy machine going to be jammed or is the coffee going to be empty and nobody filled it out, right? Just like I'm walking across campus, let me just look, let me set my radar and I will notice a kid tying another kid's shoe. I will notice two yard duties laughing, right? I'll notice the good stuff. Like you just got to fill up your own tank. But to take that to the next level, something that I find really helpful for people is to have a kind of closing ritual one of the things I find teachers um, educators all struggle most with is separating work and home, right? Even if we manage to set epic boundaries and we're leaving school at a reasonable time, if we're not even physically just dragging all our stuff with it. It used to be we dragged those teachers' manuals. They were so heavy, right? Your teachers had a cart. Now it's all online. So, like, you don't have to physically drag it home but emotionally, cognitively, we're dragging it all home with us, right? And that kid that annoyed us all day, that parent, that co-worker that we so need a break from, you might as well have invited them to dinner, because that's what you're talking about, right? When you get home, right? So we want want a way to, to have this ritual that Separates in our brain tells us I'm done with the day. So for me, it was always clearing up my desk, take a big stick, no, a pink stick, no, just write three things. First three things I need to do in the morning. So that's number one. We kind of just mentally, hey, I'm set. I need, I know what I need to do in the morning. I don't need to check my emails when I get home or anything else. But the other thing is, write down the three best parts of your day. It takes less than five minutes. Why the three best parts of your day? Well, one, all day you're going to set your radar. You start to play a game with yourself. Like, huh, is this going to be my top three? Is that going to be my top three? You're going to start noticing good stuff. Then by writing it down, we know that creates new neural pathways in your brain. Like, yeah, sometimes some people are like, oh, time to write stuff down. I used to sometimes snap a picture of something I really loved, a piece of work a kid had done or something, whatever. But the fact that you're writing it down, it's there in your mind. It's top of mind. Firstly, it's telling you you're done with the day. I'm closing out the day. Here was the best stuff that happened. I have my three things I need to do in the morning. Not going to worry about that. And then when I get home, firstly, you're more positively focused. But then when you get home and somebody asks you, hey, how was your day? Instead of like reliving the worst of it, you're going to say the good stuff because that's what you just thought about. So that seems so kind of simple, but it is really effective just to get into that habit of writing down the best three parts of your day. And it came from a ritual I had with my kids. When I used to tuck them in, we go to bed. We would always talk about our three favorite parts of the day. And so I developed that to, like I said, just a closing ritual. But you can get the kids involved. Sometimes, you know, we all have exit tickets, and sometimes the exit ticket needs to be, you know, what did you learn or all these things. But, like, once a week, once every couple of weeks, my exit ticket is tell me something awesome that happened today. Like, nobody's getting out the room. Before they told me something awesome that happened that day, I think it also helps with when the parents say, What'd you learn at school today? And the kids are like, Nothing. (laughs) Right? It's better that that they can say, Oh, well, this happened today. Right? They need the good stuff top of mind, too.
0: Grace, it's like you're in in my house. That's that's exactly the response I get from my kids. Yeah. What'd
1: you learn today? Nothing. (laughs) Like, really.
0: You had said it's simple, but I think simple is great. That's just, it's, it's exactly what we need for our administrators and our leaders, because as you know, uh, they they have extremely busy lives, and you know to have something really really complicated is probably something that yeah. is hard to implement. But something as simple as just a mindset change like that, and and looking for just three things. I mean, it's just three things. Yeah. Um, is is a, a wonderful and brilliant. Um way to to change your mindset. So I want to touch on your projects that you've got going on before we, we end with a couple questions here. I had mentioned your podcast, mm-hmm. and it, I would be remiss not to bring it back up because it's a brilliant piece of content that I want people to jump on their podcast application and to su- subscribe to, which is balance your teacher life. Uh, will you just share a little bit about you know why you created that and and who you built that podcast for?
1: All right, so I built it for people to listen to the episodes Are between some of them get a little over 30 minutes, but some of them are very short. You know, you can listen on your prep period or whatever um, and your commute. And it is to help, it's to give very practical strategies. So there's a lot of mindset stuff, but there are very practical strategies to help people who want to have a more balanced life in education, it is very, very typical that teachers' lives are out of balance. And when people say, oh, work-life harmony, like, no, it needs to be an integration and it needs to be intentional. Mm -hmm. I find that educators, you know, try and do everything and that's really not possible. And we need to have like some really good tools, skills, frameworks to really evaluate, what am I not gonna do this week? You're not gonna get everything done. Well, what's gonna be the biggest paybacks for the biggest stakeholders? Who are the students? (laughs) So it is um, a lot of stuff um, on how to set boundaries. How do you say no in a student focused way that you feel good about that other people aren't gonna, you know, start thinking, oh, they're lazy or they're this, you know, all those kind of weird misperceptions, whatever. So um, I do have guests once in a while, um, but a lot of it is my own content going through, um, like I said, setting boundaries. psychology of happiness and it is all okay the biggest compliment I got somebody said it was the biggest uh the greatest um what did they how did they phrase it the perfect integration of woo and practicality so you know I'm not for everybody um I am all about empowerment though Is like it's not about toxic positivity like there are so many issues in education I don't ever want to you know, disvalidate disvalid- and validate people's experience. But given all of that, what can I still control? Right? Because we start to feel powerless. And so it's a lot of that. But there are shorty episodes, I have bonus episodes called uh, Lunchbox Love Notes, which are just like, five well, ten five, 10 minute episodes, usually on a Sunday, a little kind of note of inspiration for somebody that I trust the universe will deliver to them right when they need to hear it. So It's Balance Your Teacher Life. And it was actually that name is I have a signature course where I work with educators, coach them and do different things, which is a little bit more than just in the classroom, it's really phrased as kind of be the hero in your own teaching story, like I, I guide people through it. But a lot of it, I also have a background in life coaching in emotional intelligence. How nerdy is that? So it's a, <laughs> a little bit of that in the course. But I also have quickie courses you can finish in the night, setting better boundaries, protecting your peace, and how to say no, the art of saying no. And then I have the books. But you know, the podcast is an excellent place to start because of course, you know, it's all free.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. It is a good yeah. place to start, but to go deeper and to get more, you know, focus on a certain topic. I love that you have all those courses for folks yeah. also. So Grace, I, I would love for my listeners to take an actionable step today. So, you know, they're getting all this wonderful science and mm-hmm. these habits that they can implement into their classroom or into their schools, the framework, and of course, all your resources, but I want them to have an actual step to enhance their leadership journey. So if there's something you do tomorrow or next week, what would you advise them to do?
1: So I say start here, and it's going to sound wishy-washy, but start here. Just dink and decide. Decide. Just decide that you being happy, you are worthy of being happy, and the world needs it. That's what I'm going to tell you. Your energy teaches more than your lesson plans. We need positive people. It doesn't mean you don't have a bad day. that that's not what positivity is, but being optimistic and feeling empowered over what happens in your classroom on your campus. I like to say when I close my door, I'm a revolutionary because, yes, I listen to all the new initiatives and everything else that comes through. But what did I say at the beginning of the podcast has really what has changed in the last two decades changed No, you believe in students, you believe in their potential, you believe in the power of education to positively impact the world. Kids need to learn critical thinking skills, how to evaluate for bias, like none of those, these things are getting increasingly more important. And the only place that some students are going to learn that is inside your classroom. And so I would say the first step is literally just decide. Decide if I'm staying in education, I'm going to find a way to feel more empowered and more happy and I'm worthy of that. And if you have to frame that in the context of, oh, because it's better for my students and my campus morale, then do that. But it should be just for you. You are worthy of being happy and make that decision and decide to find the resources. There are so many resources like Yale's most popular class. You can do it online for free, right? Dr. Laurie Sanders, you can go take her class. Like the the resources are there. Yes, I've put them in a framework. Yes, I give you a map that's easy to follow. But there are a ton of resources out there and decide that that's important. And then you're gonna commit to it. So that's really isn't, you know, I don't want to tell people like, oh, go to my website or go do this, go do that. Go do what feels good for you. Go if you're taking a Yale call, sounds good to you. If Downloading an app of, of, of meditated meditation app or something, but don't let yourself get dragged into this idea that everything is terrible and it's never going to get better because there's so much of that noise out there and it simply isn't true. Look around your campus, see who's having a better time than you, go hang out with them. That's easy. Mind who you hang with. Don't we tell the kids (laughs) that all the time? Mind who you hang with, right? Your results are really your life is a reflection of the five people you hang out with the most, right? If you're miserable and complaining and just think everything's terrible, who are you hanging with? Mm -hmm. Look around. There's, There's people having a better time than you. Go hang with them. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you had said that you didn't want to tell people to go to your website, but I'm going to do that for you. So <laughs> I want folks to go there because I know there's a, a wealth of information and resources. Uh-huh. So will you just share that with them? And then if you know someone wants to connect with you on social media, yeah. we share that out also. So
1: I gotta tell you, I am really not great at social media. Um, it's one of the things. Now it's no, it, that's by intention. I, I, I know. Like, really, how you ever? expecting to connect with people I find it's pretty damaging to my mental health I'm really careful about my mental health so but one place everybody can go is gracestevens.com forward slash happy there's a free video training there on the five habits of the most empowered happiest least stressed teachers and I don't know anybody in education who doesn't want to be happier and least less stressed so that's a really easy place to start graystevens.com forward slash happy or the podcast balance your teacher life which yes is on the teach better network and there'll be links in there in fact that journal um, that I talked about the prompts the three things like I have a a journal I have a six-week free version you can get when you go to the show notes of the podcast maybe I can give it to you and you can put it in your notes um, yeah And um, so there's all kinds of free resources available, but that's it. So it's Stevens with a V. That's the only thing people sometimes get lost. So S-T-E-V-E-N-S.
0: Beautiful. And we'll have that link in the show notes. We'll have it on joshstamper.com. Um, of course, you know, as far as the spelling of Grace's last name, if you're on YouTube, it's very simple because it's on the screen. It's right on the screen. It's yeah. <laughs> right on the screen for us. Um, and of course, if you're watching on YouTube, please make sure that you're subscribing. Joshua Stamper is the channel or you can go over to the Teach Better team youtube page that's a growing community also and and you can find this episode and many more on there grace you're doing some phenomenal things all over education all of this country i am so proud of the podcast that you have and that it's connected to the teach better team so thank you for all you do and, and for joining me here today on aspire to
1: lead oh thank you so much and i appreciate you and your work so much too so it has been my absolute pleasure